I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of I've Never Had an Original Thought with me, Becky Lee. This week, I am joined by Lou Brown. Now, Lou was born in London and has two older sisters and has always loved art and drawing from a young age when they used to draw under their granddad's table. Lou started their company, Good Strange Vibes, while studying at Newcastle University as a form of self-healing. Lou is also an avid surfer and palm reader. They are dedicated to not only revolutionising the way we think about sex, gender and identity, but they are a dedicated activist for many social issues, including working with refugees in Greece, caring for the environment and supporting minority groups in protests. Despite Lou doing all of this and giving up so much of their time, they are still an amazing friend. Lou is thoughtful, funny and always down for a boogie, especially to Paolo Nutini. Just be careful if you have Pit of Red because they might eat a bite of it without you looking. Now, as you can see, this lovely description was written by our mutual friend Darcy, but I think it really does encapsulate um, my guest Lou on this week's podcast. We talk all things body positivity, um, sex education and yeah, self-care and self-love. I will add a little trigger warning here. We do go over eating disorders um, at one point. So if any of that bit is uh, triggering to you or makes you feel unhappy or unsafe, just feel free to skip it. But there's so much positivity. Lou is such a light. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. And as always, please rate it five stars and subscribe so you get to hear to get to hear all of my other guests in future. Okay, thank you. See you. Bye. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of I've Never Had an Original Thought. This week I am with Lou. Hi everyone. How are you doing? Um, yeah, I'm good, thank you, yeah. So, so for those who don't know like what you do um, and what you get up to, why don't you explain a bit about yourself? Nice, so yeah, I'm Lou, um, I'm a non-binary artist, so I use they, them pronouns, um, and I run a small art business called Good Strange Vibes. Uh, which sort of just uses like my experiences of the world and sort of my mental health, um, things that I want to change to kind of make a difference through art in respect to mental health, um, body image, LGBTQ plus topics, um, and then sex education as well. Fab. So you are out here doing God's work, really. <laughs> the question that I ask everyone when I first start the podcast is who or what is one person, idea or event that has changed the way that you see the world? Um, I think maybe like my recent therapist, I've just changed to a new therapist. Um, and I think sort of, sort of recently has maybe changed the way I navigate the world. Um, so sort of 
rather than seeing the world as something to like exist like in and try and control more of like a way of sort of existing sort of like with all its fluidity and like unpredictability and sort of embracing like taking risks um and like letting go a little bit trying not to like predict the future um and sort of just being more present like trusting that I can deal with sort of emotions that come my way and kind of sit with them um so I think that's sort of more like philosophical approach to it but um I think yeah I think that's mostly like changed me more recently that's great that sounds like you have a good therapist yeah, he's great. Sounds like the therapist that I need. It's interesting. My, yeah. my cousin's a therapist and he said, like, you should always go for the, like, other gender to the therapy therapist that you'd want. So, like, if you're a woman and you want a female therapist, you should actually go to a male therapist. That's so interesting. Yeah, because when you said you had a male therapist, I was surprised, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I've had, like, um, I've never had a non-binary therapist before, mm. as far as I'm aware, but um, I've had um my like previous therapist um was a woman and like I loved her as well like I'd have about five years so we had like a strong bond um but then it was also like a nice time to kind of change just like I transitioned to like um moving to London um and I think like both therapists have quite different approaches um the, the like previous one was maybe more of like a soothing space um somewhere for me to like work out my identity and sort of navigate like the challenges of like each week whereas this one sort of feels like I'm kind of changing yeah the way I navigate the world and sort of move through it I like that I like that you have kind of a, a therapist for the different stages that you're going through yeah <laughs> I wish I had I mean it's very hard for, to access those sort of resources oh absolutely yeah yeah I'm just really lucky I have parents who are like comfortable and able to support me and want to so otherwise on an artist salary there is no way I can afford therapy right I know it's a privilege that most of us can get so into my questions my main body of questions what inspired you to get started you know as an artist and what really inspired you to start your work um, so it was sort of, I had an eating disorder when I was younger. So I think it was kind of like 2015 or so, um, and or 2016. Um, and I'd sort of had a lot of support from like the NHS, um, and from like family and friends and stuff. Um, and, um, I've always been into art, um, previously, but never really like saw myself as an artist. It wasn't anything I like studied at uni or whatever, but yeah, I was at this point in my recovery where I was sort of doing much better but I still kind of thought very negatively about my body and I was in the habit of each evening I'd sort of go to the mirror um and sort of pick out parts of my body I didn't like or I wanted to change and like having studied psychology while I was at uni I sort of knew that habits were really hard to just break all of a sudden um and thought okay so I'm probably going to like gravitate towards the mirror in the evening how can I sort of adjust this habit a little bit Although at the time, I don't know how like consciously all these thoughts processes were, or whether I'm kind of looking back on it and putting that lens on. But I decided to basically draw my body um, in those periods that I normally critique it. And yeah, it was really powerful for me. I sort of, I started to sort of see my body more as like shapes and patterns and textures rather than like this thing to like critique within like a societal lens of like what's worthy, what's beautiful, all of those things. And then I'd look at the artwork and be like, oh, I'm so proud of this. Like, this is really beautiful. And then suddenly I was like, ah, like, how can I hold those two kind of inconsistencies of one saying that like artwork of my body is beautiful, but then that my body's not. 
So it sort of helped me to view my body as like worthy of appreciation and a piece of artwork in and of itself. And then I set up uh, like our Instagram and started posting um, illustrations of different bodies and kind of body positive messages. Um, and it just sort of sprang from there, really. That's exciting. I'm glad that it came from um, a place where it really meant something to you. Is this how you kind of found your identity as an artist or has it changed over time? Um, I think, yeah, I think it's kind of been quite a natural process. I think because I wasn't sort of trying to be an artist per se, it didn't, I didn't have that pressure of like finding a style that just sort of happened as I created. Um, but yeah, and like since kind of creating art as an adult anyway, it's sort of my identity is kind of so kind of entangled with my art. Um, often I sort of will create art around something that um, I don't realise on a conscious level that I'm going through and then I'll look back at it and be like, ah, oh, so like my art brain knew this way before I did. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's not just like being my, like being my authentic self just kind of comes out in the art, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So is your medium mostly um, drawings or do you have different methods of what you do? Uh, yeah, mostly illustrations. Um, it started off sort of by hand um, and now I've sort of changed to mostly doing them on the iPad, so kind of digital illustrations. But I also sort of run workshops and things like that. So it's sort of, they're sometimes a bit more like collaging based um, and like mini sculpture things rather than just like illustrations. That's cool. Is the digital art one difficult? No, I mean, it's quite nice because like, you don't like, I don't know, it's really like intuitive the way that the iPad works. Like it's kind of, you draw something you don't like, you don't need to like try and like scribble it out or rub it out. It just like disappears with like three taps or whatever. Um, but it did take me a bit of time to sort of translate my start, like, like hand-drawn style across to the digital style and not have them too like different. Yeah, I mean, that must be proper handy for like digital prints and stuff as well because you don't have to yeah. worry about photographing yeah not getting like shadows in I feel like I'm really bad at like I hate um things that require like a lot of focus like when it's sort of like measuring out something or like creating a canvas and making sure it's like this many millimeters by this many and it's centered like I'm like ah it doesn't matter it's art so it's definitely nice having it like already digitally done so that it still gets like a good quality result without me having to like push myself into that yeah definitely so who would you say like or who or what is your art for fundamentally I guess it began with being sort of for myself um it was that way of kind of reconnecting and healing and then I think that because by sharing on social media other people sending me messages saying like oh this has helped me or how it's kind of how they've related to it that became kind of a reciprocal cycle of like really motivating me to look after myself because also knowing that it was helping other people so I think I sort of often it starts off with messages that I need to hear or that I want to hear or that like I wish I had heard in the hope of helping others but kind of begins with myself and then goes outwards if that makes sense um so I think it's a lot easier to create art um where you kind of like I know that I need that message so that I know other people might relate to it rather than kind of picking something or an identity that I don't actually know much about and trying to like create in that sense yeah, definitely. I mean, when I was having a nosy artwork, there was so much there that, as you said, I felt like I need to be reminded of from time to time. Um, yeah. So it is really powerful in that way. Um, and as you said, on your website, when I was having a nose, 
you kind of wrote about how the sharing of your art should be like a hug or like you know power to someone could you go more into that yeah of course so it's sort of um yeah I kind of intend my artwork to um either give people a hug um a power hug or a shareable is how I kind of call them um so a hug being that the viewer looks at the piece of work and feels kind of comforted by it so like a kind of digital hug so to speak and then a power hug meaning that they give um they feel comforted but it also gives them some kind of power to change the way they sort of view something or the way they speak about a topic or how they approach something with other people and to make a kind of positive change um so for that it could be that um i think the example i have in my website was something to do with um when someone um, a piece of art that said um why not to kind of compliment someone on being thin um and so they might see that and kind of understand the reasons behind it um and then go ahead and feel kind of less um less like of basing their worth on their own bodies and like their own kind of ability to fit into like predefined societal conceptions of what beauty is but also then how they then speak about their own body and other bodies in front of their friends and have that kind of ripple effect and then the other one's just like a shareable so if someone already has that opinion hopefully I can sort of create art that means it's like a visual representation of it and they can share that on and hopefully like give someone else like a hug or a power hug I love that I love this I feel like um I've just finished reading have you ever read Bell Hooks is all about love no I haven't you might like it because it's about the the lovelessness that she uses in society um and I kind of feel like your art is putting love you know back in there um this might be a bit of a big question but do you feel like some art is devoid of that or are most artists in pursuit of just like sharing love oh um I don't know because I think a lot of artists also kind of share pain um because I guess a lot of it or the way I understand arts it's kind of like putting out like emotions and experiences and there is a lot of pain undeniably in the world and there also needs to be space for artwork that acknowledges that and gives people something to sort of that it isn't all like fairies and like you are loved and all of that but it actually acknowledging that things are tough and ignoring that doesn't necessarily like help um so I think there's definitely a space for artists that kind of put out all different kind of emotions and feelings and it's also that thing of like if in society we don't talk about things that are going on or opinions that may be um, kind of put across hate, then maybe we'll kind of have them lower down and not be able to like confront them and talk about them. Yeah, definitely. But to pivot slightly, obviously um, you create art that fundamentally, you know, is for you, is for like other people um, and comes from a place of goodness. Um, but you also live and like you, and you monetize your art um, do you feel like you exist in that passion economy? Um, what is the passion economy? So the passion economy is this idea that like people who have passions, hobbies are often pressured to monetize it, to make it their mm. livelihood. And then over time, they completely fall out of love with it because it's something that becomes a burden because they're like, yeah. this is a job now. You know, it's no longer something that I love. Have you ever found that? Um. I think sometimes, yeah, you can get kind of caught up in the, like, the stress of it all and, like, running a business is, like, so hard and, like, I don't really know what I'm doing half the time. Um, So I think it's kind of, I think I'm lucky in the sense that because my art and business is so centred on values, it's kind of easier in a way to not, like, 
fall away from that mm-hmm. um, because I'm always trying to refocus on what that is. Um, so it does mean that sometimes I'll miss out on business opportunities because I don't want to work for a certain client or um, or I'm like too scared to like ask for much money or whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think sometimes, but also um, I do just feel really like grateful that I can do this work. Um, and part of the way I maybe deal with that is that I do like childcare work on the side as well um to like facilitate my income so I'm not having to push for kind of doing jobs that don't align with like my values and like why I create um and yeah I'm just lucky a lot of like the clients that I do work for choose to work with me because of those values and because they believe in those things so often the work that I'm creating for commissions I'm really passionate about as well um so that definitely helps so what sort of commission work do you end up doing? Is it for um, charities or what type of businesses approach you? Um, so one of the commissions I'm doing at the moment is for a community interest company um, that's based in the northeast of England um, called Changing Relations. Um, so that's, that project is um, it's called Let's Talk About Sex and um, they are um, have been asking sort of the public to send anonymous stories of positive relationships um, whether that's like platonic or romantic, it could be like one night stands or long term relationships. Um, and then I've been hired to illustrate those stories um, for a sort of zine and to be displayed. I think it's at Durham's like summer city festival. Um, so that's something that's really close to um, like close to my heart. And I really like believe in sort of not just talking about like harmful um, stereotypes or like negative relationships which is so important to talk about but also then showing actually what does it look like to have a positive relationship like how is communication valuable like how do you actually um, put trust into a relationship and actually having real stories to to show so that's like one of the things I do some of the other stuff is sort of maybe I've worked for Bend and Shake and like Sister Shack which is um sort of queer nights out um so doing the events posters um so things like that that's cool um can I ask what you've learned from the sex scene positive relationships like could you give us insight on what makes a positive relationship so yeah it seems like for a lot of them the stories I mean there's only kind of six that I'm illustrating so it's quite a limited sample but um just sort of letting people be like authentic and like having the trust to be vulnerable I think a lot of them are sort of things where they're sharing something with their partner or partners and how that person then responds or whether the person um, in the relationship actually makes them feel comfortable enough to share and like how that space between someone's held and sort of some of them like busting myths around like one night stands and that there actually can be a lot of love and care and respect within those scenarios as well and that maybe you wouldn't have in a long-term relationship but you actually do find in sort of um like casual things yeah they've been so beautiful I love um when I get to illustrate like other people's stories I think it was something it was kind of the first time I did it was with my sex education project um and I was a bit nervous because like it's quite a lot of trust for someone to share with you something so vulnerable Mm -hmm. and honest. And so I really wanted to do the stories justice because they were absolutely amazing. Um, I just felt, yeah, so honoured that people were comfortable to share with me. But yeah, no, it's it's been really good. That's good. I remember Darcy. Darcy's our mutual friend, uh, for the listeners, telling me about this project and asking me to write in a story. And I wanted to know if my story ever made it. 
I didn't know what one was. I didn't even know you'd submitted. Oh, really? Maybe. <laughs> because they're all anonymous. I didn't know. But all of them, I think all of them that were submitted made it. So I think, yeah, I think you're in the zine. Oh, my <laughs> in, Yeah, sold across UK bookstores. Well, like three, I think. Oh, my gosh. No, I'll, I'll <laughs> so, Yeah, your sex story must be in there. <laughs> oh, my. Well, guys, if you want to find out what my sex story is, I'm going to tell <laughs> you. You can buy the zine. <laughs> yeah. And then you and can you still write won't in. find out. <laughs> And you'd be like, this is, was this one you, Becky? And I'd be like, no, try again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know you'd submitted one. Yeah, I remember Darcy asking. And I was like, you know what? I think it, because it was, um, it was kind of like, not unconventional, but like kind of things that happened during sex that you kind of wanted to normalize. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I had a funny incident, obviously one time. Um, I know my parents listen to this podcast, so I won't go into it in too much detail, but I thought, this will be perfect for the zine. Um, but I loved all the stories, so I'm sure yours was perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good one. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to definitely purchase it after this. Um, I'm going to put it up on my wall. I'm going to show my partner. Yes. And I'm going to be like, look, we made it. <laughs> We're famous. <laughs> I know, exactly. I've been drawn. <laughs> um, so that's that's amazing. I can't wait to I can't wait to buy that. So is, is um, sex education and healthy sexual relationships important to you as well then and illustrating that yeah definitely I think it's something that's like stuff that's taboo I find really interesting to draw and really like important to talk about and yeah I've always kind of was interested in like going into the sex ed field and then it was only sort of in lockdown that I was like oh I'm actually gonna make this project a reality and that's when I like had the original call out for stories and then I illustrated maybe eight um but it was all sort of unpaid for so I then like had big plans for it to do like the zine or a book and um, I had to put the project on hold because of yeah not being paid and then I was really lucky in 2021 um, I applied for funding from an organization called Curious Arts um, which is like a queer arts um, sort of charity organization that supports mm-hmm. like LGBTQ plus artists mm-hmm. and audiences um, and I got funding from them to sort of get more stories and actually make it into a zine um, and it also meant that I've been able to donate lots of zines as well to the different sort of organisations and charities that promote um, like sex education and LGBTQ plus education. So, yeah, I'm like, I really love doing it. Um, and I learn a lot too. I mean, I don't know about you, but the sex education I received at school was literally like nothing. Um, it certainly didn't include like LGBTQ plus relations. So it wasn't like necessarily that like, I don't know just didn't really do very much for like actually navigating sex in the real world so I think I love the concept of using real people's stories and real people's experiences to be like actually this is what it can look like and because all the stories that were submitted were so different it also showed that there's just limitless ways of having or not having a sex life of the emotions that you feel during and after sex and sort of who you can have sex with and how and what that looks like and yeah it's sort of yeah, again, it's a resource that I would have liked to have and I'm happy that I have now. So yeah, I'm like so grateful to everyone that submitted stories and I really hope to do another version and hopefully get sort of a book deal or something like that because yeah, I, I literally love this project so much. <laughs> yeah, it sounds incredible and I completely echo what you say about sex education in schools being mm. awful. Um, I think mine, I was in an all-girls like Church of England school so I think they tr- they did their they did their best with the tools that they were given, I guess. Mm. But as you said, it was so heteronormative and it felt very much like sex was something done like to us. Like mm. women would just kind of like 
pen it was just about penetrative sex and it was like yeah. this is what happens to you as a woman don't get pregnant and also like don't catch an sti and if you yeah. don't do those two things yeah it should be fine yeah exactly it's so bad and also like I, I hate the way they sort of split by gender as well I mean mm. there's going to be queer kids and trans kids and non-binary kids and also the fact that like actually it's really helpful to know what happens with someone else's body because mm. like one you might be in a relationship with them but two just to kind of have empathy and understanding um so I think like we should kind of be taught about all different body functions um and that thing of like even a group of women who do all identify as women they will have completely different bodies and completely maybe different experiences of periods some of them might not have periods some of them might not there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I have a womb, like, it doesn't, it, it's just, yeah, it's really sort of restrictive when we separate things by like a binary system and um, I think that can be applied like sort of across kind of how we see the world as well and sort of these things of like again like whether sex is good or bad but actually it can be boring it can be fun it can be sexy it can be scary it can be exciting like all of these things kind of need a more nuanced look mm. and sort of opening things out a bit more. I think you're right. I don't think we're given the right tools to speak about it as well. Obviously, you touched earlier on um, your journey through like self-love um, and recovering from an eating disorder. How could you go more into depth about how you were able to really see your body as kind of like shapes um, and as a piece of art? Because I'm sure that's something that doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, definitely. I think it was partly the like the practice of doing it consistently. But also I think you can kind of gain that understanding of bodies by just going to life drawing classes as well and actually drawing other people's bodies because you're not thinking kind of, I don't know, anyway, I wouldn't like critique that body. You're sort of, it's there 
as something that can inspire artwork and I think that's kind of shift in the way you think um and there's been a lot like there's been some academic studies as well that um look into the impact of life drawing on um positive body image which showed that I think it the studies show that like increased um body appreciation and like body pride um and it also showed reduced social physique anxiety which is like the concept of like if let's say you're going to a party and you're like worried about people like looking at your body or what you're wearing and sort of how going to life drawing can actually reduce that like anxiety Mm. which is really cool so that's one like active step that someone could take especially if they're not feeling like doing it on their own um because yeah drawing your body can be a really kind of intense experience and it certainly isn't for everyone I think with any of these things there's not like a one size fits all you can't just like but everyone just buys this one like skin cream or like thing and then they're suddenly fixed mm. um like you said it's like a whole process and I think it's really individual um as well I agree I think it's difficult as well because a lot of the day a lot of sorry today unfortunately mm. um I find that self-love's kind of wrapped up in like almost like a capitalist message as well yeah. like oh but by this this will help you love yourself you know did you find like that those sorts of same pressures yeah and I just yeah it's it's all ridiculous the whole like the like neoliberal like capitalization on this has sort of completely um taken over the like narrative of what it actually is and really destroying it in a way um and yeah sort of like self-love is the continuous journey um and I don't I think the way that it's presented it may be like um and like big businesses like take hold of it to like sell a pair of leggings or whatever um is this idea of that you should sort of love everything about you 100% of the time and that buying this one thing is going to fix that but really yeah that's completely unattainable um you can't love yourself or every part of you at all times I mean there's different things that happen in your life you'll have setbacks even within a day you're going to feel different about yourself like from start to finish even Mm -hmm. if it's in a sort of small Mm -hmm. scale and I kind of see self-love a lot more of sort of an overarching like level of respect and kind of a pledge to sort of treat my body and my mind with compassion so sort of listening to what it needs if it's hungry feeding it if it's tired if I can access having a nap um then doing that and sort of if I'm upset or I think I'm overreacting then treating myself with compassion and sort of thinking okay well that's how you're feeling right now like what can I do to make this feel a bit better sort of like treating yourself how you would treat like your closest friends I guess but I definitely think that's been sort of taken away within like as you say the kind of capitalization of it all and yeah I also think that's what relates to self-care as well the idea that like we lose what it really is and it's really just like yeah tending to yourself with like care and respect and like meeting your needs um and these needs for each person is going to be completely different some someone it might be their face mark is really helpful for them um, but for other people, they might just need like shelter and food as a first level, like accessing self-care is also a difficult thing that like, you need energy and time and resources. And like also kind of the monopolization of it takes away from or like puts this kind of individual neoliberal like responsibility that mm. you are in charge of your mental health. And if you're struggling, it's kind of your fault and kind of takes away this responsibility, which should actually be within the community and the government to actually fund like NHS services like you said before like I'm so lucky that I can access therapy and like I'd be in a completely different state if I couldn't and like yeah it shouldn't be 
used in a way to make someone feel bad if they're like not able to self-care or their self-care isn't enough sort of thing I completely agree you've just blown my mind about the individualization <laughs> such of a big life. rant <laughs> no honestly because it almost feels like the the same problem like it's this it's the same thing that like gives you the problem that's selling you the solution if you see what mm. I mean like yeah society makes me feel so bad about myself but it's like the same businesses that are like you feel so bad why don't you do this but like also there's our product at the same time yeah that you need to yeah. do that and I'm like but you were the one that made me feel bad in the first place no exactly exactly oh <laughs> that's great I mean it's a catch-22 there's um yeah. it's difficult to get out of it and I agree with what you're saying about how self-love can be such a journey and no one wants to feel like a failure because they're like oh I hate the way that you know whatever looks today mm-hmm. um because if you're kind of pressured to feel like you should love yourself at all times then again it adds another la- layer of like oh great 100%. I'm not even a good feminist or whatever because yeah. I don't love my body and then you kind of feel like a failure in that way yeah no exactly it's so bad um it's such a bad cycle and as you completely what you said it's sort of those people um who are selling you those things that actually maybe made you feel bad to start with um but I think part of the sort of moving away from that is just acknowledging it talking about it because then like maybe you see an advert for um Slimming World or a dial or something and yeah you might feel sort of threatened by it or you might kind of have some emotional reaction to it but if you can then pause and actually reflect on oh they're trying to sell me something this isn't actually because someone cares about my health and well-being Mm -hmm. Um, and they actually want their diet plans to fail because then it means you keep being a repeat customer. Like these things are set up to, to profit off you. Um, and I think having a sort of understanding of that and an awareness means that you'll sort of kind of have a little like metaphorical toolkit to carry around with you and actually challenge those things and work out what actually makes sense for you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's terrifying, isn't it? In the mm. reality is terrifying. Um, and I agree, I think like self-love as well there is a it is also a privilege as you said because for some people Mm. they don't have time to as you said take a nap if they're feeling tired they have to work that other job or they have to cook food to make sure that they eat and then they're tired but at least they've you know there's a trade-off somewhere yeah so gosh what would your advice be to someone that like is trying to love themselves I think like what you've sort of said of like not having pressure on yourself Mm -hmm. Maybe just starting with thinking about a couple of things you do like about yourself. And that could be like not necessarily appearance sort of related. Um, like for me, I'm like the fact that I'm like have a curious mind or maybe thinking about what things do they enjoy that they do access in their day to day life. How can they maybe do those things a little bit more sort of little kind of changes, I think, is the way forward. Yeah, I agree. So could you go into a little bit more about the workshops that you run and um, what, what's the purpose of them and yeah how are they yeah they're great um the purpose is kind of I guess when like most of my art's put out on like my Instagram um give strange vibes and it's sort of left to the audience to like how they interact with it um whether they read the caption whether they just scroll past whether they like share it with a friend or what they then do with it Whereas um, the workshops sort of allow me to sort of facilitate how someone interacts with my art and messages um, and in a really like more of a community way. I really love that there's a group of us all together connecting over something 
um, and all have a sort of desire to improve maybe relationship with our mind or our bodies or just get say thank you to our bodies. Um, so yeah, the purpose is kind of to give a bit more of a like full sort of package with the artwork um, and maybe share a bit more about like the background behind it. Because um, sometimes yeah, I'll share a piece of art and there's a whole story behind where that art came from and the nature of social media, you can't really share it so much. Or maybe I might not, like, I'm very vulnerable online, but sometimes I'll share a lot more in my workshops than I do on an Instagram caption, partly because, you know, there's trolls out there, I've been trolled before and it's not fun. So you kind of have to navigate that and sort of decide where I feel safe to share and like how much. So that's kind of the purpose of the workshops. And I run a couple of different ones. The main one I do is sort of a body gratitude one. So it's where I get participants to create a thank you card to their bodies and thinking about like um, not appearance related attributes, but like the functions of their body and how their bodies help them um, do things that they enjoy in the day and sort of looking at that rather than looking at sort of, yeah, appearance um, and just kind of, yeah, I think in our society, we don't really stop to be grateful for the fact that like we're alive and that maybe you can be grateful for your eyes for like seeing your friends or feeling like the sun on your skin or you can be grateful if you're like a singer for your voice and there's all those things that like when we're actually aware of and can practice gratitude it can have really positive impacts on well-being and sort of yeah life satisfaction things like that so it's sort of helping people have a tool that then they can like have that card and if they have a bad body image day they can turn to that card and not just like have that those messages from themselves but also know that they created that within a community of other people who was like oh, on their own journeys as well. Mm. How can people transition from self-love from a place of like aesthetics? And not that there's a hierarchy between them, not that loving oneself aesthetics is a bad thing, it's not. Mm-hmm. But also how can you balance it between like believing you look good aesthetically and that being amazing, but also, yeah, do you know what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. I think it's kind of, internalizing that idea that your worth isn't dependent on your body yes um in the same way that like your gender isn't defined by your body like your body is just something that you exist in to navigate the world um and yeah as you said there's nothing wrong when it's lovely if you do kind of have a positive relationship with the appearance of your body um but yeah kind of also allowing yourself to to embrace and accept and sort of be grateful for what it does do um and having, I think also within this conversation, it also needs to sort of bridge the idea that some people um, might experience chronic pain or gender dysphoria or sort of um, a disability of some sort. And that can make being grateful for your, like the functions of your body a bit diff- more difficult um, or more difficult on some days and not on others. Um, and I think sort of the journey of being grateful for the functions of your body has to be sort of meeting it where it is. Um, it's not like again this idea that you should say like everyone should be grateful for their legs for walking them somewhere because some people won't have legs some people's mm-hmm. legs it isn't so easy to walk or they just hate walking and that's not something they particularly feel grateful for and just sort of yeah meeting yourself where you are thinking about the things that actually do make sense in your life and yeah being gentle understanding that sometimes you're not going to feel grateful for your body and that's okay but yeah I definitely think that should be a shift to more thinking about like yeah what your body does for you and valuing it for that yeah I I think we can't isolate the experience of like um 
society and I guess fundamentally for me especially like the male gaze telling me that the thing that I should care most about is Mm. not that my body's functioning but is that it's functioning for someone else sometimes you know what I mean but I wanted to talk a bit if you're comfortable about like your um experience with gender and the journey that you've Mm. been on so could you talk a bit about that yeah yeah in terms of like my body or just in general um just in general yeah so I guess yeah I came out as non-binary in like 2020 and had a lot of sort of it was a strange one because I think I don't know why but I hadn't really consciously thought about my gender so much before but when I look back I can see sort of things that maybe I said or believed that I'm like oh how did I not then start properly questioning it like I remember saying to friends like oh yeah like when I'm older like I won't be surprised by non-binary and then just carried on with my day like didn't think anything of it <laughs> how, how did I not then think like oh is that something I should be thinking about Lou or like yeah so yeah I think it's sort of maybe like understanding and like having a deeper understanding of gender came from um when I was sort of deconstructing ideas of like um societal beauty standards and what it means to be a woman um and sort of my recovery from the eating disorder and my sort of entry into the body positive world um and then sort of breaking down like gender norms um like I'd make a lot of art around sort of normalizing men crying and sort of ideas of like women like body hair and sweat and how that's all normal and sort of breaking down these sort of gendered assumptions and like meanwhile I was also in my degree at uni I did politics psychology and sociology and I could sort of pick different modules across the course so I often chose ones which were sort of gender or like sex related so then looking from an academic lens at sort of the construction of for instance distinct like male and female sexualities and how that sort of constructed and so can be deconstructed as well and like my awareness of um like learning more about intersex people and how even like biology and sex is also not a binary and that it isn't simple and there's sort of all these different things like hormones and stuff and it's not like everyone's on a different spectrum within that as well and so suddenly I was sort of completely exploded this idea that there is just this one or like two ways of, of living um, and that you have to fit into that one and it has to be the same as what you were told you were to start with mm. um, so I think I'd sort of explored that through my art and like in academics as well and then yeah I don't know it was just like one day in lockdown I think I just suddenly was like oh like I, I just suddenly started to question if I was a woman it was a really like it was a really horrible time um, because it was really isolating I didn't really have any of the words to talk about it and I didn't know how I felt so I didn't like feel comfortable talking to friends about it for instance and I'm a very like open person and quite self-reflective so I really struggled having to sort of do that on my own and it was something that yeah it kind of starts off maybe like oh I'm curious and then it was like oh my god like if I'm not a woman that means like how am I going to navigate the world like who's going to accept me who's not going to like what does this mean for, for instance, like within the idea of being before I sort of saw myself as a female artist and there's all these sort of opportunities for women artists and like International Women's Day and all these things and kind of communities I was part of that I was then like, actually, I don't fit there and who will kind of pick me back up from it. So it was a really difficult time. And there was a lot of kind of questioning whether my feelings around it were valid because I didn't have this thing of often the like, narrative of trans people in the media is very limited it's sort of this idea that from the age of 
three, like you're like, let's say you were um, assigned male at birth, that you were like wearing dresses and trying on lipstick and all of this stuff and all of this kind of gender dysphoria and uh, this whole kind of traumatic background and that it was always sort of 100%, but it wasn't 100% for me and I didn't know, like when I was younger, even though there were certain signs, it wasn't something that was sort of obvious. So it was really hard to kind of embrace the term non-binary because I felt like I didn't sort of deserve it or that it wasn't like I needed to never change. But then in reality, it was, I needed just like gender affirming messages kind of reminding me that like, how I felt at the time is valid and it's okay to change your mind. Even with sort of like me and some of like my trans friends were discussing the other day that like when you choose a new name, for instance, if you decide to do that, you also don't want the pressure of like that that has to be your name and that if someone puts in the effort to change it, that then it's like this massive burden for them to change it again. But like, it's a big deal. And like, you have to try things on and same with like names, with identities, with pronouns to really know what does fit and what feels the most comfortable. So, yeah, I kind of relied on my art a bit um, as I was coming to terms with my gender identity and, like, sort of as I was building up to coming out to people was when I started creating, like, a 3D online exhibition about my gender identity, um, which I sort of used to publicly come out to people um, because, one, it sort of helped me sift through and understand my gender through art, but it also meant that I could write down all these thoughts and feelings and create this exhibition, and it sort of put the emotional load in a way off to mm. everyone could kind of view that themselves rather than me having to explain it to everyone individually and it meant that like I did like a it was free to attend but there was like an optional donation um and then like 50 percent of that donation went to um AKT and so it was great to sort of one be paid for the labor of coming out and like explaining this like identity stuff because it was emotionally like intellectually physically exhausting mm. and then two to be able to like raise money for a queer charity was also something that was really motivating and helped me sort of like have the energy and the passion to be like actually I'm gonna do this and yeah it's been it's been um it's been good it's sort of I'm really lucky I've had like family that's accepted me as I am and same with a lot like most like with my friends as well but it is something you sort of continually have to navigate um and like we said with self-love and with body image gender is also something that's a continuous journey and you'll learn new things about you whether you're cis or trans or however you identify there's always going to be new things in life so we're always going to be changing and developing and wanting to maybe try out new things or not Definitely. And how much support is there for queer artists? I'm just curious. Well, I was really lucky in because I've only just moved back to London, but I was living in Newcastle and there's this organisation, Curious Arts, and they're all based around sort of LGBTQ plus artists. And they sort of, yeah, did the funding for my sex ed um, project and then also recently commissioned me to do some artwork for them as well. So I was really lucky that I was in a space that there was that organisation that was mm-hmm. there and I was able to make connections with them. Yeah, I've been I've been lucky in that sense, I think. Sometimes when you get these sort of labels or sort of categories or whatever, so like like being a queer artist, for instance, then there's sometimes it can be easier to access community in a way, I think, because you kind of have a specific group to call out to. So I think it can like be one of two ways, either really isolating or like great and fulfilling. And I think I've kind of like tapped into the sort of the side that's really positive. And yeah, a lot of the artists I do know are queer, so that's been really nice. Fab. Um, okay, the question that I want to finish on is what advice would you give to anyone that would like to kind of get into art and start sharing it with the world? Ooh, um, 
I think like kind of the across this whole podcast I feel like I keep just being like don't have pressure on yourself like be compassionate but I think that's the thing it's like artwork's just worthy in and of itself um it doesn't need to look like aesthetic or particular way the just process of creating I think can be so valuable and just yeah getting to it I think one of the ways often in workshops um because they're sort of the ones I run are kind of they could be for artists but they're also for people who maybe aren't so confident with artwork and um, one of the techniques I often sort of encourage participants to use is sort of one drawing that with their eyes closed because then you cannot have expectations on yourself and it just lets you go free and some of my favorite drawings I've done have been literally in five seconds with my eyes closed like I'm wearing a jumper today which has um, a drawing on which says like dancing with myself healing and that was just like randomly did you one do day so like you can get really like interesting funky designs from that um so that's a technique I'd say or like continuous line drawing as well can be really nice but yeah I think just like not being afraid just if you're doing it for yourself just like go for it and just see what happens really fab well thank you so so much um you've given so much wisdom honestly um <laughs> you're such a light and if people want to reach out or find you or find your art where can they do so um, so on Instagram or Facebook is at Good Strange Vibes um, and my website's goodstrangevibes.com um, and say my email's goodstrangevibes at gmail.com. So yeah, if anyone wants to get in touch um, or has like an opportunity or wants me to run a workshop, then definitely get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi all. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of I've Never Had an Original Thought. If you would like to reach out, you can find me on Instagram at Becky Lee, but with an X, so B E C X Y L W, or at Not an OG Thought Pod, so that's Not A N O G Thought Pod. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. Uh, yeah, pass it on, rate it five stars, and subscribe. And as always, have a lovely week, and I hope that you come back next week to hear more. Okay, bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.